intermittent fasting, keto, whatever modality that you like, you really need to find something that you can stick to long term. Welcome to the 7220 Wadcast, where the content will always be constantly varied and at times highly intense, with as many guests as possible. Hi, I'm Nicole Bleak, and this is the 7220 Wadcast. Today we are taking a little dive into nutrition once again. And for anyone who has listened to our previous episodes, you know we've had a couple of different dietary approaches discussed. In fact, not just different, but completely opposite. When we interviewed Kat, who eats a whole foods, plant-based diet, and then Mike Kometz, who doesn't eat plants at all and eats primarily a carnivore diet. Both of these individuals are healthy and thriving. So remember, our philosophy is that different nutritional strategies work for different people. And that's based on their genetics, their lifestyle, their age, the stress in their life, their activity level. And also a reminder that we are never dispensing medical advice for your personal health. And you should always consult a medical professional for guidelines for you. I'm excited today to be chatting with special guest Grady Smith. Grady is a longtime CrossFit 7220 member, and we're so glad he recently moved back to Laramie after living in Colorado for a couple of years. He also just completed a certification through the Nutrition Coaching Institute and is currently providing nutrition coaching. Welcome, Grady, and thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Nicole. I appreciate it. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of jump in, and I know... A few people know me from the past, but obviously they're, I mean, I was gone for a couple of years and I just kind of wanted to give my base. I'm glad you said that we don't give medical advice because I'm by no means a registered dietitian at all. I cannot tell you legally what to eat or anything like that. I can just give you guidance. Before you give us any of that guidance, I'd like you to tell us a bit more about you. Some may have seen you working really hard in the garage gym very early in the morning, but probably don't know a lot about you. So I'd like you to talk about your personal story and how you arrived at where you are today, both personally and professionally. Okay, um, so back in 2014, I guess before that, I'd always played hockey, lacrosse. I mean, I was pretty active. I was always a bigger kid, though. After I graduated high school, I kind of lost my way. I mean, I kind of just had a little bit of, I don't, I guess, I don't know how to put it. Like, I just felt kind of lost without sports, I guess. And I mean, obviously, I did all the things a high or a kid that graduates high school and college kid does. I mean, I was partying too much, eating fast food all the time, regardless of my health or anything like that. I mean, at the time, I really didn't think much about it. In 2013, late 2013, 2014, I went to into the oil fields, kind of chasing the big old, the the boom of the oil field, chasing money, things like that. Um, Throughout that time, I was literally living out of a hotel for a year and a half. In 2014, I don't think I honestly cooked a single meal I I could probably say that I was eating gas station food fast food three meals a day 
and pretty much working 14 to 16 hour days. And I, I did that for a year and a half. But in that time, we, we were mandated to get physicals and drug tested and everything like that for the oil field. And I remember specifically in 2000, October of 2014, I went in for a physical and the doctor pretty much told me at 20 years old, I was pre-diabetic already. And I, at that time we did a weight and I was 260 pounds. I, like I said, I'd always been a bigger kid, but I never hit that number. And it really stuck, struck home for me one, for two reasons. Long before that, I watched my grandpa on my dad's side pass away of a heart attack at 65. And then not too long after that, my dad at 38 years old had a heart attack. And when I heard I was pre-diabetic and saw that scale weight, it really hit home for me because I've on both sides of my family, they struggle with heart disease. I'm a big component of putting a why behind what you're doing in your health and or fitness and nutrition or passion or journey or whatever it is. So given your weight gain, the news you received at your doctor's visit, and then your family history, you definitely had motivation and incentive to make changes. How did you get started or what was step one for you? Step one, I kind of started kind of started where everybody really, I think a lot of people start is they start, they picked up a men's health magazine or a bodybuilding.com or something like that. And just, I honestly just started reading like, okay, well they're saying chicken and rice, things like the vegetables. So I honestly, when I say I didn't cook, I didn't, I still didn't cook those meals, but I went to a lot of times I went after that, I went to King Supers and just started utilizing easy tools that I could do in a microwave. So things like 90 or 90 second uh, Uncle Ben's rice and things like rotisserie chicken and smoked salmon, things like that. Breakfast, I, I just do honestly like a bowl of oatmeal, some fruit, things like that. I mean, obviously at the time it was kind of, I still added stuff to it to make it sweeter. It probably wasn't the healthiest, but it was still a step in the right direction. But like when it came to lunches and things like that, I just tried to, like I'd always known like, okay, whole grains are better for you than white bread. So I'd go with wheat bread. And like I was living out of a mini fridge and I will say like my that mini fridge was packed. Wasn't the best. I would have much rather cooked my own meals, but at the same point, it was a step in the right direction. Well, I think it's pretty amazing that you found a way to improve your diet while living in a hotel room. It's really easy for all of us to make excuses, whether it's not having enough time or not having a fancy kitchen to cook in or traveling and the list of excuses could go on. So you're a really great example of just doing the best you could with the circumstances you were in at that time. So when did you start seeing positive changes, and at what point did you start incorporating exercise? There was a hotel gym, and so I started incorporating exercise after work. I started doing that right about the time I started really kind of trying to change my nutrition. I started noticing change 
pretty rapidly, but it was almost, I want to say it was kind of, it was a lot of inflammation and, and so just kind of detoxing everything that I'd just been consistently putting in my body. And so I started noticing, honestly, change really pretty quick, but at that point it wasn't drastic. Um, I do remember there was a very drastic point when I started getting into the endurance world. I'd always kind of been a kid that gone all or nothing kind of deal. And so my mom was doing a marathon, so I figured out or a half marathon in steamboat or a son mother bonding moment, I guess. And I started kind of just trying to train for a half marathon by myself and diet, nutrition, everything kind of started aligning. At that time though, I ended up hiring a nutrition coach. I had her doing meal plans for me and started training for a half marathon just kind of by myself and ended up getting doing pretty well in it. I mean, I wouldn't say I was overly fast, but it was, I mean, it was an accomplishment. What weight had you gotten down to when you ran the marathon? Right around 185, 190. And how much time had passed between the time you started making changes to the point when you had lost quite a bit of weight and then ran a marathon? Two years, or uh, probably a year and a half, two years. So when was it in this journey that you were introduced to CrossFit, and when did you start incorporating more CrossFit-like training into your fitness routine? During the half marathon, my living situation changed because I got laid off from the oil field. And so I ended up moving back to Laramie, I want to say in 2016 or early 17. So I was working, I went back to work in construction there, and Bob Needles was going quite a bit there and kind of convinced me to go. I kind of, honestly, at the time I walked in, looked around, and walked right back out. It wasn't that I didn't want to try, but I think it's what a lot of people think is, I'll try it when I'm fit. That was around the time that I started diving really into endurance training and training for marathons. And I just kind of dropped into 7220. I don't, I don't honestly don't, don't know why I did. I, I can honestly say that. Like, I, I think I was driving by one day and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go see, we'll see what it's about. And then that was pretty much the end of it. I think I dropped in on a set or I dropped in on like a Thursday or Friday. I think it was you or Mike told me to come to a Saturday class. And so I came and then signed up for kind of orientation after that. And then you were hooked. So I know you're currently doing CrossFit training and you're also incorporating quite a bit of weightlifting. Are you still putting in a lot of miles running? Over time, my body, I mean, I just kind of got out of it. I don't think I've really run anything over six miles since my last or my marathon I know a lot of people know me from doing the crazy 60 hour endurance race over in China I don't think I've honestly run after that I always have goals in my mind just because I'm a very goal oriented person but it's more about just listening to my body and going off a feel so has building your strength taken precedence over endurance training for you how important do you think strength training is for overall fitness? I think it's massive. 
I mean, I, I honestly, I think you're doing your body a disservice not weight training. I mean, obviously running, if you're doing anything outside is great. But I honestly, metabolism wise and just overall longevity, I think weight training is going to be king for you. I totally agree. And I used to be one of those people that did a lot of running for exercise. I threw in a few bad push-ups here and there, but I was mostly just racking up the miles. I ran a couple marathons before finding CrossFit and then realizing the importance of strength training when it comes to overall fitness, as well as weight loss and weight maintenance. And it just becomes more and more important as we age. Like you said, building more lean muscle mass is really vital to longevity. I heard a researcher recently say that glute strength is highly correlated with aging well. So the stronger your glutes are, the longer and better you're going to live. So Grady, I want to hear now about your nutrition. I know you've told me once that you tried keto and felt horrible. And I mentioned in the beginning how we've talked to two people who are at two different extremes, one vegetarian or vegan and one carnivore. What's your diet like? I don't think I'll actually ever do vegan or carnivore just because I love meat, but I don't love it that much. And I love vegetables. I like mixing them both together. I gravitate more towards carbohydrate. It's not like I'm going out and smashing Twinkies all day long. Like I still focus on like sweet potatoes and things like that, like real whole foods. But I like a ribeye every now and again, but I don't want to wake up and eat an entire ribeye. Just a lot of people get so wrapped up in calories and they just don't actually understand them protein carbs and fats make up your total calories how you get to those is a little different for everybody because i mean if i take myself for instance i feel and perform better off of more carbs than fat somebody that feels a little better on a little higher fat diet than and lower carb is going to be it's going to vary and it should vary i mean energy wise how you feel during workouts, just your overall health in general. It fell into two camps, like they demonized carbs and they demonized fats and you should need to cut those out and you need to cut, like, you can have a mix of both. Balance is really the key. So how do you help someone find the right balance for them? Aspects of life, stress for one, and obviously working out is a stressor on your body. Like if you're working out in the morning and then you're only you're going home and you got four kids you're running around and then you're late for work and you're just overall day is just stressful i look into that i also look into what you've been eating in the past because i think long gone are the days and it's not i don't think it's really any of our faults i think it's a lot of social media these low calorie diets we lose 30 pounds in 10 days and things like that it's just falling into those traps so i look into what your past history especially with dieting if you've been following a crash diet for the past 30 years i think i read a statistic it's the average human will partake in like 126 diets in a lifetime i mean i really look into that i also just kind of i look into Obviously, your exercise, if somebody prefers yoga instead of CrossFit, then their energy demands are going to be totally different. 
I look into just kind of how you feel day to day, especially when it comes to hormones and your sleep. You kind of knew me. You knew me when I was pretty much at my worst health wise. I was the smallest I'd ever been, but I was obviously way worse off health wise than I should have been. So you'd made a lot of changes and did see some positive things physically. So in what ways were you not in good health at that time? I can go into that because I think that really hones in for a lot of people, maybe not in the drastic that I went into, but they understand the same concept. When I started losing weight, I was chasing a lot of gratification from others instead of gratification for myself. When I was training for the marathon, I ended up coming down with H. pylori, which is an infection in your gut which ultimately caused ulcers. Like, I think I was telling you and Mike, I remember I could drink a glass of water and feel full all day. Throughout that time, I went from 185 pounds to about 160 pounds. And I was so hard-headed at the time that I was still training for a marathon. I remember literally running, doing a training run at 14 miles and did not eat or drink anything throughout that 14 miles. So were you on medication for the H. pylori at that time? Yeah, I I can't remember what the meds they put me on were. Um, But yes, I was taking meds for H. pylori. It kind of, it kind of sent me down a spiraling rabbit hole for a long time because I, I kept seeing pictures of myself, and I was I always run into those pictures still. And honestly, I, I I just to me I look anorexic. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but I had a problem, and it was the fact that I was still working with the coach that I talked about previously. And at that time, we were trying to add food and add food, but psychologically, it didn't. I didn't want to eat the food because I liked the way I looked. I didn't really care about how I felt on the inside. I'm sure there was a part of you that was fearful of losing the control you now had on your weight and then ending up putting the weight back on and returning to the health issues you had when you were heavier. Yeah, and that's just it. I don't think a lot of people really take into effect of the psychological aspect of nutrition. A lot of people start going to the gym get on a nutrition program because they want to lose weight, but they're scared if they have to add food when in all reality, you almost, you need to. I mean, at a point in time, you can't sustain five or 6% body fat year round. Physiologically needs body fat to survive. And at that time, when I started going through those health aspects, like obviously it wasn't the most accurate but they had an in-body scan at where I went. So it kept showing me at like 4, 4% body fat. I think chasing goals and whatever your goals are are great. But just having a plan out of that, because honestly, I didn't have a plan. Like I, I, it, I was scared, scared of eating food. So I would take the meal plan and then I would just, I'd eat about half of what I was supposed to, not because I couldn't stomach it, because I was scared to put any weight on. Fearful of returning to your old self. Yeah, and that's just it. So how did you end up turning things around and finding a better balance? 
So I remember two to three months before I ended up moving away, I was working at a, for a company here in Laramie and we had to travel. I remember I'd always packed my own food. I went to this trip and while well, the maid came through the hotel during that day, she threw out all my food. I kind of got some anxiety from it because I'd been doing it for so long. Un understandably, like if you have specific goals and you are like chasing like a bodybuilding competition or physique or something like that, yeah, there's a, there's a difference, but I wasn't I wasn't chasing anything at the time. Like psychologically, there'd be times where I'd like make an excuse to get out of dinners with family and stuff because I didn't want want to eat any food that I hadn't cooked. You know, I kind of played it to a lot of people that I knew that I was perfectly fine and healthy and things like that but deep down I really wasn't like I I think it's what a lot of people do is they take take a good thing and turn it into a bad thing and that's kind of what I did with nutrition and just fitness in general I did that so you're sitting in your hotel room feeling understandably anxious as I'm sure you were having flashbacks of living in a hotel room and surviving on junk food so the maid has thrown out all your nutritious food you brought and you're miles away from a grocery store. Plus you're having sort of a realization of how you may have made a wrong turn on the path you had taken with nutrition and fitness. So what happened next? So it kind of turned into, it was either I went out and ate or I was going to starve. I was kind of already starving myself. I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody wants to go into that rabbit hole and they never think about it, but it happens over time and without really realizing it. And so I pretty much went to Subway and got a foot long and got a bag of chips and went back to the hotel. And I remember waking up and weighing myself and realizing nothing happened. Just a lot of people get it in their head if they eat something or they just they enjoy themselves one night or one meal that they're out, they're going to just gain the weight right back. It's one meal. Enjoy yourself. I think there's something to be said about the social aspect of life and how important that is to your overall health as well. Yes, it's really quite important. Honestly, Grady, when you had become really thin a couple years ago, I assumed it was only a product of overtraining, and I didn't at all realize until now that you had developed pretty disordered behavior, uh, but I think it's really commendable that you're willing to share such a personal experience. I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of people, and you know, we often associate this type of behavior primarily with females. So I think it's really important to realize that guys go through similar things, but also that it's something that can be overcome. Yeah, and I, I think on the guys part, we're just, we're kind of hard-headed. Women will admit like, hey, you know, I have a problem. I need help. Guys are like, I don't, I don't need your help. I got this. And over time, I mean, that's what it, it had to happen to me. And I'm glad it did. I realized like, okay, there's a problem and I need help. So where did you go for help? Did you go to a therapist or a counselor? No, I, I kind of talked to my old coach. I, I wasn't working with her at the time, but we became really good friends. Like I, I love her to death still to this day. 
I kind of started talking to her because she went through a lot of the same problems in the bodybuilding space. And so she actually really helped me through there and was the one that kind of told me to go get my blood drawn and get hormones checked and things like that. Still this day, sometimes I do struggle with it. Still, I don't think it'll ever go away, but I've developed the mindset to where at the at the moment, it's not something I'm worried about. Do you still find yourself worried about your weight? Do you weigh yourself a lot? Um, I'll weigh myself every now and again, maybe once a week, if that. And that's that's being generous. Honestly, I go I honestly go off of how I feel. That's good to hear. I wish we could all use how we feel to measure our health and wellness. If I weigh myself, it is a rare occasion, and it's usually just out of curiosity. It is a very freeing feeling to not be obsessed with some number that actually has little meaning or to let it define what kind of day I'm going to have. Using the scale as a measure of progress can be so frustrating and actually pretty deceiving. You know, our weight gives us information, but it definitely doesn't tell the whole story. We've all seen two photos of the same person at the same weight, but with very different body compositions. We know that when that person gained more lean mass, they also lost body fat, but maybe not necessarily weight. Muscle is a dense and heavy tissue, so we might weigh more, but we'll be smaller in those areas that were once occupied by more fat tissue. We also know that having more of this dense lean muscle mass results in a significant improvement in our health anymore i go off of just biofeedback of how i feel day to day and pretty much just kind of progress pictures yeah i think photos are a great and really easy way to track progress and probably give us much better information than the scale gives us anyway again i think it's worth restating that you actually became healthier when you put some weight back on Being underweight has its dangers too, and when you added more lean mass to your body, you had more energy, you had a happier social and family life, so I think we need to keep that in mind, that we shouldn't be afraid to add some good healthy weight to our body when needed. You mentioned sleep a little bit earlier in our conversation. Tell us a bit about your take on sleep. How important is it to your health, and what are your current sleep habits? Sleep for me, honestly, it's, it's recovery. Like that's one thing I do not skip out on anymore. I used to in the past, but it's your kind of time to recharge and recover. And your deepest sleep is around 1 to 3 a.m. They've actually done studies of how your circadian rhythm and sunlight and sleep are coordinated. I know a lot of people, especially nowadays, are working in their house or at a computer all the time and just not getting enough sleep. What happens when you don't like get vitamin D or get out in the sun, it causes your circadian rhythm to get out of whack, which can actually cause your ADH, which is your antidiuretic hormone, tells your kidneys not to release as much water at night. So when you don't get that, it can reverse that. So you're just constantly up and you're peeing all the time. For me, what I found was I was so overworked and I've seen it a lot that 
your melatonin and cortisol curve is flip-flopped. So you have that tired and wired feeling at night. This happens a lot, especially with under eating and over exercising. Like you said, your cortisol is super high at night and, and ideally your cortisol should be at the highest at 8am or whenever you wake up. And then it slowly curves down at night and, Obviously, your melatonin kicks in, tells you to go to bed. But sleep for me, it's it's one thing. Like I actually never realized how good I could feel until I started actually sleeping. Some of the members listen to this; they've seen me at, at 5 a.m. But I, I feel like an old man at times. My phone has a silent mode that goes on at about eight o'clock, and I'll get a notification if somebody calls me. But it doesn't ring or anything like that after eight o'clock. I kind of like to try different things out on myself. So like blue blocking glasses, blackout curtain. I don't have any screens on after eight o'clock. Simple hacks you can do that a lot of people don't think about. I mean, if you're sitting on your phone watching YouTube or Netflix or something right before bed, blue light from the TV, it actually can mess with your circadian rhythm. Sleep is probably one of the most underutilized, but should be one of the most important aspects of just living a healthier life in general. It is so true. I don't think our society values sleep enough. I think a big percentage of the population is going through most days with some degree of sleep deprivation without even realizing it. And as you mentioned, if you couple that with work and other stressors, that cortisol stress hormone gets way too high. So I love the sleep hacks you mentioned that can really help bring those cortisol levels down a bit so that we can get a good night's sleep, even if it's been a stressful day. I just ordered some amber-colored blue light blocking glasses that I can't wait to try. I'm sure my family will make fun of me, though. Um, So we know a lot of people who also use alcohol to unwind. Do you think it helps or hurts sleep? Alcohol, I never tell people not to drink it. I'll have a drink every now and again. Alcohol increases estrogens in the body. It blocks the liver from detoxing extra estrogen. So especially in women. It can, if you're abusing alcohol, it can cause estrogen jo- dominance. People say they, I sleep better at night when I have a glass of wine, things like that. But it doesn't happen. Like, like I said, I'm I'm very big into biohacking my own self. So I kind of watch my resting heart rate and HRV, things like that. But and I have noticed that my recovery. And I feel like I'm just tossing and turning all all the time when I drink alcohol. Yeah, and from what I understand is that alcohol can help people feel like they're falling asleep faster, but they're definitely not getting good quality sleep like they would get when they don't have alcohol in their system. Alcohol can also be very hard on gut health. Speaking of which, have you recovered from the H. pylori? Is your gut back to normal? Yeah, I have. I ended up doing a lot of tests um, on my upper GI and lower GI. Pretty much I went through an entire elimination diet. And ultimately what came down to my gut issues was stress. Working out at 5 a.m. And then I was 
going to work construction all day and never sleeping for one. I would stress out at work and then I'd get off of work and then I'd actually do another workout. And so I was never giving my body and I was under eating at the time. So I was just constantly stressing my body. And so that's one thing I really don't think people look into is their gut health. Two thirds of your body's immune system is in your GI. Irritable bowel syndrome is when a person's gut lining, it, it has little tight junctions around it that don't allow like excess food or toxins or things like that into the bloodstream. So when you have IBS, those junctions kind of loosen up and it pretty much causes undigested food, toxins into the bloodstream. And then it can really cause a lot of issues with fatigue. It can even cause like thyroid issues in men and women. Um, it can cause depression, mood disorder. I mean, it can cause really bad skin issues. Gut health in general, it can cause a lot of issues. I've heard it said that 90% of illnesses originate in the gut. So when toxins leak through your gut lining and enter your bloodstream, your immune system recognizes them as foreign invaders and attacks them. And that's what causes this chronic inflammation of the gut lining, which can then lead to many chronic metabolic conditions, autoimmune disorders, arthritis, depression, really a big long list. And then these conditions are often treated with pharmaceuticals instead of addressing the gut health. And then often those prescription drugs lead to more dysbiosis in the gut and it's kind of this endless cycle. Yeah, and I think that's on where a lot of people, they, they jump to, well, it, it, it can't be the dairy or it can't be the gluten or anything like that. It's just, I need, need some Tums or I need that new probiotic that they just came out with or digestive enzymes i think those are i think probiotics and digestive enzymes are great but addressing the root problem is key yeah i think there's a lot of people out there popping tums after every meal and i think it's important to remember that our stomach acid is not only designed to help you break down the food you eat but also to keep the bacteria in your gut balanced so when you decrease your stomach acid by taking antacids, it allows the bad bacteria to flourish because there's not enough acid there to kill off that bad bacteria. And then some say your gut also senses a shortage of acid, so then it just produces more and then you feel like you need more Tums and it's just another vicious cycle in the gut. Another gut-related tidbit I like to share with folks who feel they have an uncontrollable sugar craving is that certain gut bacteria feed off of sugar. So those little guys in the gut are sending messages to your brain to somehow get more sugar down to them. So your sugar craving may have little to do about having psychological willpower and more to do with an actual physiological problem in the gut. For instance, if someone has a candida overgrowth in their gut lining, if they starve those little guys with an elimination diet, along with possibly some probiotics to get the gut in better balance, they'll find their cravings will eventually decrease quite a bit. By the way, if anyone out there has gut issues, they should really consult a good functional medicine doc to 
guide you through the process of healing the gut. It's not as simple as eating healthy and taking a random probiotic from Walmart. Although the eating healthy part is a really great start. Healing your gut is, it's extremely, extremely complex. Yes, it is. And I'm really glad you were working with a medical professional when you were dealing with your gut issues. Well, Grady, I think we are about out of time. So I want to thank you once again for taking time to chat. I appreciate you being so open to share your story and it allowed us to cover a lot of important health-related topics. If listeners want to get in touch with you and they aren't at the gym at 5 a.m., what's the best way to reach you if they have questions or would like your assistance with nutrition? So my email is RockyMountainNutrition1 at gmail.com. And then I'll even throw it out there if somebody wants to text me any questions about anything I talked about. My number is 307-399-3192. I mean, feel free to text me, call me. If you feel like you're struggling in an area, I'd be happy to help you in any way I can. And those are about the two best ways to contact me. Sounds great, Grady. Thanks again, and thanks everyone for listening.